This program is intended for mature audiences only. Altitude adjustment may contain language, images, or other content that some may find offensive. Your discretion is advised. Welcome to Altitude Adjustment. Good afternoon, I'm Leon Davis, along with Warren Harper, and you're listening to Altitude Adjustment. Uh, great to have you with us this afternoon. How you doing today, my brother? Doing good, man. How you doing? I'm hanging in there. I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. All righty. So, so today's topic is uh, school choice. Uh, I didn't find anything to, to rant and rave about for the first few minutes, so I guess we'll jump right into the topic. <laughs> okay no rants or raves oh, no man. not today at least uh, at least not yet <laughs> you caught me off guard i was kind of waiting for something you know i understand i can appreciate now. that <laughs> all right so so my question to my first question to you is was it in your research did you find anything that surprised you or at least um um made you you know, um, think intensely, intensely. No, not really. Not really. I think school choice is uh, going to be going on. The, the whole concept of it is going to be here for pretty much forever because schools, there's so much, uh, so many variables when you look at the school systems uh, as far as the quality some are some are at this level some are are at the bottom and parents are trying to um acquire the best system that they can for their children and so i think we're going to constantly have um, people trying to figure out how to get the best education or educational system for the kids okay um i'm i'm probably um see things a little differently actually see things a lot differently. Okay. So, so in my search, in my, you know, doing research and everything. So I ran across this, um, this site. So I, I'm looking at the history of how did, how did school choice get started? And it's, a, so it's not a recent phenomenon, but our current iteration of it started around 2000 or 19, I'm sorry, 1990 something. Um, Milton, Milton Freeman, who was an economist is probably considered the modern, uh, the father of the modern day school choice movement. Uh, it's important to understand that the concept of school choice has been, um, uh, has a complicated history. It's been around for a while, mm -hmm. but, uh, in 1955, Friedman released an essay and the title of it was the role of government in education. Um, he essentially argues that the application of the free market should be applied to the educational sector. Okay. Um, and he advocated that tax dollars should follow the student as opposed to being contributed to the general um, public fund. And so in other words, you know, parents would 
if they took their kids out of uh, public school, that they would then get some money back. And he was he advocated for the voucher program. Um, charter schools didn't show up, and and I'll I'll do that real quick. And, and I'm not going to go into charter schools, but I do want to talk a little bit about homeschooling. But charter schools didn't show up until um, you know sometime around 1974, okay. when Ray Budd, who was a University of Massachusetts professor, presented an a paper. Education by Charter. Now, it wasn't getting much uh, play. I'm sorry, the paper was published in 1988. Okay. That wasn't that long ago. Yeah, exactly. Um, he re uh, Bud re released a paper in 1988. Um, the paper was titled A Nation at Risk. And it didn't get much uh, so that his paper was a condemning indictment of America's public schools. Hmm. And so the idea was uh, that private and charter schools would then fix that problem. And, and so there were two things here that one that caught me off guard. So I, I knew when I was reading the article, Mil Milton Freeman, I kept thinking, I know this name, I know this name. And I, I couldn't think of where I knew the name from. So I obviously mm -hmm. did a search for Milton Friedman. Milton Friedman was the um, economist that basically said guilt, or I'm sorry, that um, greed is good. <laughs> that corporations' primary responsibility is to its shareholders. Okay. Okay. We know how that has turned out. It has basically turned people against corporations. Corporations are now in it for themselves and not for the common good. You there? So, and so corporations are not in it for the common good. They're in it for themselves. And that's another whole discussion. But when I, and, and I'm not, it's quite possible that the whole um, in it for myself, which is what he advocates, while it may be bad in the economic situation, it may not be necessarily bad in another situation, but it does lead me to be suspect um, that if it fails in one area of society, it's going to fail in another area of society. So if he's putting forth school choice and the idea is what it, what's in it for me, because that's basically his philosophy. His philosophy is what is in it for me. And so 
if that philosophy has negatively presented itself in society as a whole, it leads me to believe that this whole idea of school choice may end up the same way. You hear me? Can you hear me, Warren? All right. So we've lost your audio. All right. <laughs> You're having a day today. Uh, and and the, the, the second thing was about this guy, Ray Bood, Bud, B-U-D-D-E, is that um, when his initial when he initial paper was written, he wasn't getting um, any any play. But the idea is, um, if you use something to scare people into doing something, then they will use that fear as a motivation. And basically, a nation at risk. His article was about telling people how bad something was and that we should move to something totally different. And so it wasn't, I haven't read the paper. I'm going to go back and read the, the particular paper. I meant to do that before, um, um, before we um, started today, but um, I have so many things I'm trying to get done, but I want to go back and read the paper and, and, but it's easy to see that um, that fear mongering was a part of this. Um, I'll be able to, to tell more once I've I read that article and stuff. So I'll see how that goes. Now, like I said, the 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 whole Friedman thing and Leonard um, uh, is a has mentioned several times about Congress. Um, uh, moving to allow companies to um, uh, allowing companies to be only concerned with profit profit taking and shareholder value and not the broader uh, impact that corporations have on the economy and other people's lives and, and I think that that's important because you've got corporations that are so large, that they imp impact a large swath of the public. And if they're only in it for the uh, profit taking, they're only in it for what they can get out of it. And they're not putting back into the community. And, and you'll get those people that are going to argue that they create jobs and they do this, that, and the other. Um, and that that's another discussion, but you know, if they're only uh, yanking out of the economy, uh, and pulling for themselves and putting the money into smaller and fewer and fewer hands. Then you have what we have today. You have that situation going on and that's what the issue is. So um, now he's trying to apply that or he's uh, applying that same ideology and, and logic to uh, his, to, to schools. And I can't imagine necessarily why that we would expect a different outcome. And so if he's advocating for that, then I think that there needs to be a, a much, much more uh, stringent look at what these impacts are. Um, can you hear me now, Warren? Can you hear me?
Can you hear you can hear me now? No? Alright. So uh let me go back. Cause there were some some facts uh, about so so I don't know if there's an agency or uh, if government is in any way uh, capturing the data on, because I've heard, you know, conflicting evidence or conflicting ideas about the effectiveness of charter schools and the effectiveness of homeschooling and, and other um, choices for education. And it would be easier to, to have or to, you know, to be, to understand the impact that has so far, you know, happened. Um, and, and I don't know if we're, we're trying to do that. If that's, you know, if, if we just believe that school choice is going to be, um, a panacea for what they think is uh, the problems of public education. And then, um, I'm sorry, are you there? You want to restart your system? All right. Got my audio back. All right. Can you yeah. can hear me now? Yeah. All right. <laughs> it was a mixer. That's fine. That's fine. I understand. So I don't. I you you've missed part of the conversation, but I was just. Um. So this guy, uh, Milton Friedman, uh, who was, um, who advocated for um, corporations to only be beholden to shareholders. And we've okay. seen how, how that has negatively impacted um, life in America and, and people's ideas of corporations. And now he's applying that same um, what's in it for me philosophy uh -huh. towards uh, the schooling system and in order to in order to support his idea that uh, school choice is is great him and this um, now Freeman is dead I don't I didn't check to see if uh, booty Ray booty was still alive uh -huh. but 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 they were talking about how horrible the school systems were. And, right. and I'm going to have that discussion. I'm going to have that, you know, I'm looking at it and say, if school systems were so horrible, how did the United States remain so competitive through all of the years that we had public education, mm -hmm. you know, and, and since we've started the uh, school choice, mm. America has, fought more and more with uh, being competitive in the world. And I don't know if those two are necessarily related. And I, I can't imagine that that's necessarily so because of uh, that school choice is not so big in the United States. And we're still, there's still people trying to move towards that and stuff. And so I did have the numbers for um, how many students were uh, 
not in in the public school system, but I don't. I'm. It's it's a, a bunch. I've got a bunch of facts here, and uh, so so I can't see it right now. But I'll come at it later. Well, the whole idea of school choice is if you if you talk about the choices that everybody have entirely, then that's one thing. But if you're talking about the choice that people have with money that can afford the private schools without any assistance, that's that's two different ideas of uh, school choice. Yeah, but but the the but the way school choice is being implemented now is if you pull your child out of the school system, mm-hmm. um, you're you can pull money out of the school system. Okay. And so, and so the school system wasn't designed for the individual. It took in mind the needs of the individual, but it was des- designed as for society as a whole. For the masses, yeah. Right. That, that's why it was, you know, applied to the masses. And, and if you take the, and so if you look at the system and you say, Individual children aren't thriving in that system, so the system is bad. You've used the wrong metric to measure the success of the system. Okay. There are going to be individual children that are not going to do well in that situation. I don't care. Even in if if everything was school choice, if they eliminated the public option and everybody could put their school, their kid in whatever school they wanted. There are still children that are not going to thrive in that environment. Oh, absolutely. So you're going to always be able to find an argument to, um, to, to, to rail against something if you just don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. So the concern here is if you, if you, if you make the system about the individual, then you, don't see the impact that it's necessarily going to have on the group. Okay. So you got Texas not wanting to uh, um, live in a world where California is a part of the decision-making process. So now you've got division within the group because the individual believes that, 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 because I don't like them, I should be able to do something completely different. And regardless of how harmful it may be to everyone else. Mm. And so, and so I'm just saying, you know, it would be great to, to, I don't know if they have a lot of uh, data on, you know, are these children that are, uh, using these alternative methods, you know, what is their um, rate of success and what is their, you know, what, what things do they lack in other skills? You know, public schools are more than just A, Bs and Cs. It's mm-hmm. about, you know, experiencing things that you're not necessarily um, might not be exposed to. But if I, if I can take my kid out of a school that's diverse and put them in a school that lacks diversity, that only teaches things that I like, then of course you, I'm creating a, an environment where of intolerance. Mm-hmm. 
Well, yeah, I mean, intolerance, I think, is probably uh, a choice in, a, in and of itself because the whole idea of the public school system is for, like you said, for the masses, but then you've got people that feel um, that system isn't good enough and they need more then they're going to create their own system, the private school systems where they can send their kids. And they're, for the most part, a lot of them are exclusive or you need special permissions to get in and, you know, favors from whoever. So we're, we're going to, we're going to have two systems regardless. Well, okay. So, um, one of the things is that your microphone is not, you need to reset your microphone in the uh, messenger window. Oh, okay. Must have threw it off. So anyway, um, uh, so when we look at when I looked at homeschooling, uh, home homeschooling has been legal in all fifty states since nineteen eighty eight. I'm sorry, nineteen ninety eight. However, the regulations affecting homeschooling and how families implement it varies considerably from state to state, and in some places, parents don't even need to notify the state of their plans to educate their children at home. And in others, other states, parents need to file annual curriculum plans and learning assessments materials. Hmm. Yeah, okay. Notification of homeschooling, the requirements of notification of homeschooling varies, and it underscores the importance of reviewing local and state regulations when you plan to homeschool. And according to the Council for Responsible Home Education, in 11 states, no notice is required, and in 10 states, parents only need to let the authorities know they are homeschooling when they begin the practice. In another 29 states, parents need to file a homeschooling notice and uh, with the state every year. Educational minimums. There is no latitude in state regulations um, regarding the parent educational minimums required in order to homeschool. In 40 states, homeschool teachers don't have to be a high school graduate, even if they plan to, to homeschool through the 12th grade. Um, State-mandated subject requirements. Only 17 states have state-mandated subject, re subject requirements for homeschooling, and the requirements vary depending on the location. Some states require parents to teach certain subjects and others uh, say instruction must be simply equivalent to public schools. Out of 33 states that do not mandate, mandate teaching of certain subjects, only 11 have any means of checking to see if students are actually learning the required material. Less than half of the states in the country have an assessment requirement for homeschool students. There are no ramifications for poor student performance, and in many of, to, uh, uh, of the 23 states that do mandate periodic evaluation, some states require assessment but do not standardize for passing or failing. High school graduation requirements and the definition of a credit vary from state to state and also change from time, change with time. Hmm. In so 25 states, there are no vaccination states. requirements for students who are educated at home, huh? I said that the rules and regulations are lack thereof, they're, they're all over the place. They're all over the place. 
Yep. They're all over the place. So, so, so when you try to compare apples to apples, mm-hmm. you're not making an apple to apple comparison. So if I give my kid an A, who who are you to tell me that my kid didn't get an A? Yeah, that's interesting. And so a kid that went to went to public school who got a B is competing with a homeschool student who got an A. We're not comparing apples to apples. Right. And it's not consistent across the country because we have these this idea that Every state can do something different and still achieve the same result. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I understand that 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 there are situations where that does work, but is education one of them? Hmm. That's a good question. I, I guess it depends on how you categorize how you classify working. But it's definitely not a good system. But, you know, I see it as, as typical of America because we have 50 states that basically more and more want to be their own country now. And so the idea of trying to regulate things like that, it's, it's just going to get more and more difficult. I, I, so, and, I, and, that's, and so how, how do you have consistency when when you don't have standardization and i understand you know your student is different than my student Uh but there has to be a minimum that both of them operate at that 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 builds a community and like you said we more and more you know people are trying to um what's in it for me how do i uh, how do I separate myself mm-hmm. rather than how do I build something that is standardized so that everybody is is measured by the same ruler? Yeah, that that that's a real question. But like I said, now we're in a climate where um, there are no uniform standards and instead of pushing for uniform standards, we have all these different states and um, organi- well, locations where people want to, they want to do their thing and there's no push for uh, organization or unity or structure within, within the educational system. And it's really, it's bad. Well, there's, 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 there's an attempt to have teachers unions and teachers unions, you know, they they all go to these conferences and, and there's an attempt by organizations to be, to, to, to be consistent so that, you know, if you move, if you pick up your child and move from Tennessee to Florida, Uh you know, there's some consistency. The kid can walk into the school and if, while they're dealing with a different environment as far as friends, they're still going to be taught the same information. Um, the the um, core, what was it? Uh, under Obama, the core, um, 
called competency. Uh, what they was trying to do was impl imp the core. Can you look it up? Because if I if uh, I click off if I click do a search, it's gonna it's gonna blow everything core. up, huh? What was core the key uh, acronym or? What? Yeah, it was. It's a uh, uh, Obama Obama educational program. Core competencies, I, I want to say. Core, it, it was, it was about having, um, um, uh, the same core competence, same types of classes, same, um, skill okay, set. Yeah, sure. So there's a lot of articles on core competency. Some are for business, but these are what we're talking about: education. education. Hmm. Hold on. Let me take a look. Here we go. Obama administration. So here's what came up. This is not a great explanation. Okay, but here's what the article's saying. These numbers help explain why these last Common Core. Years... Common Core. That's what it was. Common Core. Okay. All right. So that's a little bit different. Yeah. So that that the, the Obama's Common Core um was about trying to uh, make sure that everybody was at least given the same kind of material and you can measure success by everyone at least you know understanding this you know having a common knowledge and then you then you have a situation where you know you can compare apples to apples sure and so you know there was a big pushback on that because people didn't understand or they don't there, there is this need to not be put into a situation where I have to compete with somebody else on the same, you know, ideologies and things like that. So, um, uh, so I think that that was that, you know, we, I don't, I, having a conversation and trying to, you know, put in, um, you know, making sure that we are uh, working towards the country's development as a whole. And, and I don't know if um, me doing things my way and you doing things your way is necessarily going to bring us to that level of fruit. Well, yeah, I mean, we have, uh, we have uh, a situation where people are just not willing to come to agreement on hardly anything and education is, is included. Like I said, when, when Obama, back then when Obama tried to do it, I'm sure there was some resistance. Well, you say? yeah, there was, they just lost their, basically lost their mind. 
<laughs> when it's it, when it proposed the now. Common Core, <laughs> they, they basically <laughs> lost their mind. Climate is worse now than it was then. Well, okay, With so stuff going on. So, some so Betsy DeVos, Betsy DeVos, gets into gets into into the education department, and she shouldn't have been anywhere near education. Exactly. Shouldn't have been anywhere, and she shouldn't have been anywhere near government. First off, so I, I'm going to say that. Um, because because I don't think she understood education. I think she understood what she wanted out of education. I don't think she understood education. Right. The whole school choice movement is based on individualism. It is not about, you know, what is best for the country or hmm. what does, how do my choices help make the country better? It's about making the choice for myself, regardless of how it impacts the country. Right. And I think, I think both of those things have to work together for the system to be good for everyone. Mm -hmm. And so I wouldn't have a, I wouldn't have a problem with school choice. Well, so you have factors that go into, you know, what, what, what would you accept as far as school choice? And one of my factors is, is that we have a standardized um, core set of things that need to be taught. Sure. That means consistency across the board. That means charter schools. That means um, um, homeschooling. That means... Uh, I forgot what they call the performing arts schools, you know, whatever in that primary education is that these certain set of things are taught and they're consistently um, evaluated and there's a consistent level of accountability and there's a consistent level of grading. And, you know, once then, then at that point, it doesn't matter where they get schooled. Mm -hmm. because you have something that's consistent that benefits the child and the community. Because, you know, everybody goes into creating those standards of what needs to be taught and at which level. And, and it's thought out and reasoned why those are important and not subject to emotion. I, I feel like my child is not getting the right education without me fully understanding, you know, what is the right education? Just yanking my child yeah, out. Sure. Right. And so, and so, you know, I'd be more open to the idea. The concern I really have is like the start of the idea, the basis, the genesis for the idea was individualism. And it wasn't yes. about, it wasn't about building a better community. It wasn't about building a better society. Well, in the big picture, doesn't this society typically focus on individualism? I mean, what's, what's different 
there than anything else is the way we operate in America. Well, you have to. So, so there's a certain level of individual. So you create policies that's going to affect the whole while still taking into consideration the individual. That's, that's what's necessary. Creating a policy that's going to impact that, that's going to be beneficial for the whole and the individual. And you got to take the individual into it. But everything has to have some give and take. Mm-hmm. If the individual does not have to give back to the whole, then basically they're just taking from the whole um, for themselves. If if the whole if the system works only for the group and doesn't take into consideration the individual, then you then you lose some of the the uniqueness of the individual. So you, there has to be a balance, and the way this the way things are set up now is that they're not trying to implement balance. It's all or nothing. It's mm-hmm. all I I'm gonna say they. Some people are pushing ideas that don't have the a balance in mind. They have an individualistic um, tenor to what they're putting forward. And sometimes they think, I'm doing this for the good of everybody. Well, who knows what people think sometimes, but I definitely see where people are thinking for themselves or people that think just like they do. But back to the the whole premise, can we have a system of education where this ideal and unique across the nation as opposed to the system we have now where every state has different requirements and even um, municipalities within those states have totally different requirements. How can we bring these different systems under the same the same uh, set of standards and everybody be be satisfied with that as individuals? So. So if, if multiplication tables have to be taught, mm-hmm. everybody can teach multiplication tables, but you're given some flexibility on how to teach multiplication tables. It's not a requirement that everybody teach the same because some students are going to learn differently than others. Some areas are going to have different. And so the, the, the teaching of multiplication tables can be individualized, but multiplication has to be standardized. Mm-hmm. So there okay. are instances of where you, you have flexibility in how to do something, but what to do is, is not um, flexible. You have to go to work every day but how you get to work is individual. So, so yeah, there's um, the, 
the system that we've got now is the what you have to do is not the same. True. Yeah. They want to individually identify the what and individually identify the how. And so, and so my thought is that, that, that the what being consistent allows greater flexibility in, in teaching how, and how. Well, yeah, that, that's, that's very idealistic. How do we get that system? I, I don't know if that's idealistic. I think that's realistic. Well, yeah, it's realistic, but the system we have doesn't work like that. That's, I, what, that's what I mean. But it changed in the 80s. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if we're going through a period where we're just going to have to learn by, by, by um, experience or if we can intellectually understand that such disparate attempts at education aren't going to benefit us as a whole. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you said changed in the eighties. So I would ask, let's go back to say, say the fifties. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that a school in say New York city or Los Angeles in the eighties, their system was very comparable or the same as the, the system that they were using in, or the results from the system in say Louisiana, Southern Mississippi. Do you think those systems were functioning equally or the same back then? So I don't know enough about, um, I don't know enough about what was being taught, you know, what subjects were being taught and hmm. what measurements they were using to uh, achieve the results. Testing has been, a, you know, so they do testing. Um, but if the tests aren't standardized, then how do you measure the results of the test? So if, if, if in New York the test the the, the test is um, a plus b equals n, and then um, and then another part of the uh, country or whatever it's you know what is necessary to achieve to answer n, you know you you. You, you you present differently the information in a way that you know it's it's I, I probably I probably don't have a good example because I I can see what I'm trying to say in my head it's right. just finding the right example to say if we're if we're you, you want to be able to some, have some flexibility in how something is taught, but the what that is taught is consistent. Mm -hmm. 
so that you have two two kids and they're they're standing in you know from different parts of the country and they're standing in front of someone and that person asks them to solve a problem at least both children have the same set of information to solve the problem it's how they achieve it that's going to be individual mm-hmm. but both of them will get the same answer the right answer and that and that to me is more about what you're trying to accomplish than um than making the system um individualistic in other words um one kid can answer the problem because they've been exposed to the answer uh, to 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 a way of solving the problem and another kid has not yeah well i you know i just keep thinking back to the way things are now we can even forget about going back in time because right now is where we what we have to deal with i don't think um the uh, the systems within our government are are consistent and the same from place to place. And in order to create a system where things are consistent, even within having differences, but with the same outcomes expected, we still need some authority that has enough control to see that that the system functions that way. And with the power that states have right now, I just don't see uh, that system being developed because from one place to the next, you have people with different motivations, different desired outcomes. And how do we, how do we get agreement from place to place on what the standards should be and the expected outcomes on education or anything else. I understand. That's and the challenge. Well, okay. So, so, so getting buy-in, you know, it's a, it's a, that's a term that I was introduced into in business buy-in. Mm-hmm getting people to believe in something is a challenge. For sure. And so you have to have a common set of understanding or at least um, a willingness to meet someone at a particular place. Right so that you can move forward. Um, So in, so, so for me, there is emotion and there's logic, which is the, the two ways of thinking. You're either an emotional thinker or you're a logical thinker. Now there, there may be something somebody else can think of. Sure. Identifying whether you're an emotional or logical thinker is a unique challenge. And somebody, you know, you have to, in order to, um, 
You have to have a standard. What is a logical yeah. thinker? What is an emotional thinker? Mm-hmm. And then you can compare to that and say, okay, this is where I am. That's where I am. Right? And then once okay. you do that, then you have um, a basis to where to start to try to build consensus. All right? So if you know that that um, that you're an emotional thinker and you're dealing with someone that's a, that's not an emotional thinker, Mm-hmm. then you could at least adjust, if you're willing to adjust to com- trying to communicate with that person. Okay. So you have issues of like education. Okay. You have a- an issue like education and you can be emotional about it. Okay. If your motivation behind it is emotional, you're afraid that the school system is horrible. And that's why you want to pull your kid out. Mm-hmm. And you know that, and, and, and if you identify that you're an emotional thinker and that, that you're actually using fear to think, then you can stop and say, okay, what is the rational, what is, hap- what is actually happening in the schools? Are the schools really horrible? Or am I just afraid that they're horrible? Mm-hmm. But I, but first identifying, you know, is it is it rational? Becomes a place where where people can meet. Uh, we could we could all meet emotionally. We could, we could all, uh, you know, j- emotion is different from person to person. Some people. You know, they've heard that the school systems are horrible and they, and they, they went, uh, I don't think so. And so they didn't, they, they didn't necessarily act emotionally because they look, well, give me the data on that. Mm-hmm. And then they question the data and they say, you know, I, and I'm not saying emotional people don't do research. It's how they respond to that research It's how they respond to that data is it you have to identify is it fear or is it anger or is is it some emotion or is it just looking at the facts and going it is reason it's a reasonable assertion that this is this point and this point and this follows this and this does that did that i don't know was that a good enough explanation i was trying not to use um, a specific example mm-hmm. um, and that may be difficult to try to explain it because there, there may need to be you know a, a more specific example to try to get there well yeah i can't really think of a more specific example i mean i understood what you were saying but uh how do uh two people in those opposite spheres uh, even have a conversation and when they do, if they do, what does that look like? Who Whose mind may be changed? That's well, what I'm asking myself. Or, or I'm not, 
the ultimate goal is to find is to find a mutual place to work from. Sure. Without a mutual place to work from, then we're all we're going to be the the chance that we're going to be on the same page is um, is by is you know hits a snag. So so identifying logic and reason, and and should that be the guiding principle, then gives us a consistent way to apply information. Okay, sure. So, so like <clears throat> someone says, uh, the schools are failing. So I'm right. taking my kid out. That to them may seem logical. Okay. But I ask the question, well, what does failing mean? And if you can't answer me what failing mean, then the idea that you should take your kid out of the school becomes illogical because you have no basis other than fear. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's, that's my thought is how we get to it. There are going to be people who want to do that, but if there are people who I want what I want, they're not going to hear that, that, uh, that schools may not be, um, failing, that they may be doing good because they don't want to look at the logic because it, it doesn't meet their desire to do what they want to do. Exactly. I agree. And I think that's one of the, um, the actual issues is that what, what do people really desire to begin with? You know? Right. And, the and real, if they desire, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. What's the real fear or concern? Is it something that they're going on up to? Hmm. That that's an that's another that's a that's another Pandora's box that you've opened. Well, I'll give you an example. I know what you mean. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Give me an example, so, but I know. One of one of the um big controversies in the school system now is people are talking about you got all this buzz about CRT, critical race theories. And the vast majority of the people complaining are, are fearful of it don't even really know what it is so the, when you challenge them on that how do they respond or do they i don't think most of them really want to examine the real issue i think they just want to choose sides and be being the right you know on the right side of the issue with their party Now, if you can take time to have a conversation with people if if that opportunity presents themselves, but I think you know that's probably because we're so divided, not likely to happen a lot. So you can't um, you can't make someone accept logic and reason. True. So, so someone says. Um, 
so I watched the video with um, John Stewart, and he did uh, uh, he did a little roundtable with uh, three people about mm. about how to fix racism. Okay. And so one person, you know, no matter what facts were brought to them, they found a way to turn them into what they wanted to hear instead of what the facts bear out. And so, and so, yes, there how do you have a conversation with someone that does not want to hear something different or is not willing to entertain uh, a different idea? Right. And I, I, I don't want, I wouldn't want to, to try to make someone expand their mind, but, but, somebody that doesn't want to expand their mind is always going to drag down the situation because they always have to be accounted for. Hmm. So, so even if school choice is horrible, somebody that doesn't want to hear that and, and, and demands to be a part of the conversation is always going to hold the conversation back. Okay, I, I can go along with that. But I'll ask the question here is that, do you agree that all schools are equal or all school systems are functioning on the same level? Give, give me a short understanding of what do you mean by the same level? Okay. That they're teaching the same subjects and that, and that they're they're giving their kids the same level of instruction. Uh yeah, yeah, uh, and the outcomes are going to be basically predictable as far as when they finish the the course. So as far as outcomes go, the out outcomes I think are going to be as individual as the children. Okay. Some children are going to get it not all eight-year-olds learn the same thing at the same rate. So the outcome is always going to be disparate. Um, if a school system has a lower ratio of teachers to student ratio, the teacher can give each student more individual attention, which means that you're going to have a different outcome than a school system that has a higher student to teacher ratio. Even if okay. you teach the same subject, the level of attention that the child gets and, and, the, and the other factors are going to impact the result. So when comparing apples to apples, to say, is the system fair across the country? You have to compare systems that have the same school uh, student to teacher ratio, that has the same 
um, student uh, performance levels from the great prior grades to the current grade and the same uh, education level of the teachers because mm-hmm. a teacher who has a different teaching level may be able to reach students, may have more experience at reaching students that than some other teachers have. But, but is that enough to um, indict the whole system, the system as a whole? Does that make sense? Sure, it makes sense, but it comes down to the word, the two words, indict versus choice. If you have, um, if you don't want to indict the system and you know that, or, or, or let me go back, not the system, but the particular school or situation, say you choose not to indict it, but at the same time, you prefer the better outcome. Wouldn't uh, a choice be something that you would probably take advantage of? Well, so what's the better outcome? Because that's outcome. that stuck in my mind when you said uh, a better outcome. Well, so you're, I'm, you're, I'm thinking that now... you, I'm thinking that you mean that if I if I put my school my my child in a private school that they're going to get a better learning in, environment. Well, that's that's not necessarily guaranteed. I understand but, that, but I, I was just trying to understand. Um, so your question to me was, if I thought I could get a better outcome someplace else, wouldn't it be, um, wouldn't that be something that I should do? Is, is that the question that you're asking me? Yes, or at least consider. Right, and and yes, that is the case. That's one thing, but you could also work to improve the situation where your kid is now. You can make sure that, that they have the money and the resources that they need. You can also volunteer at the school. There are a lot of schools that, that ask for volunteers so that, so that the higher student-to-teacher uh, ratio can be overcome. You know, th- There's ways to make the system better now, or you can pull all of the resources out of the system and say that I've got a better outcome, but again, when you do that, you're saying, what's in it for me? How can I fix this for me? Because you're walking away and taking resources out of the main system that's to help more children. Did you lose your, you lose your audio again? All righty, so we're gone. Um, we will be back tomorrow. Thank you very much for joining us. That concludes this episode of Altitude Adjustment. And thank you for listening. This podcast is streamed live on YouTube and Twitch.tv and is designed for listener interaction. Visit the website, thelionsdenstl.wixsite.com forward slash home to join the discussion. The audio version of Altitude Adjustment is available where you get your podcasts, including Stitcher.com, the iTunes Store, and the Google Play Music Store, to name a few. Remember that the internet is powered by your likes, shares, and comments. So please like, share, and comment on this and other episodes of Altitude Adjustment because it matters. And as always, 
Look out for the other guy because they may not be looking out for you.